Hi, this is Rob Cartledge, and we are doing a study through the book of Ephesians. You can visit me at www.robcartledge.com. Firstly, guys, I just want to say a big thank you. Let's just say a big thank you to Dave Dollis of Dave Dollis Displays. He put together this banner for us, um, did a magnificent job. Um, Dave Dollis is, is a wonderful man of God, a, a dear friend of mine, and um, he just saw the need and he just jumped on it, made this beautiful banner for us, and basically on his part, didn't want to charge us anything. Uh, he talked to the different people that he had to deal with to uh, get the banner made because he couldn't do the whole thing himself. And uh, the people he dealt with also reduced their costs, so thank you to them. I don't know the names of those people, but a big thank you. The costs that have, have been uh, incurred on us are very, very minimal. So all we can say is a big thank you to Dave Ellis Displays and everyone associated with it. Beautiful banner. Doesn't it look great? Yeah. Excellent. And that's a photo that I took oh, yes. uh, on the Great River Murray in Mildura and that will it runs right through Victoria but it runs through Mildura and um, it's a beautiful scene isn't it I was on a canoe at the time paddling me and Darren uh, Legasic and uh, as you can see there was a swan in the background there and it was a beautiful morning yeah. freezing we were freezing <laughs> middle of winter 6am bare hands on, with steel or oh. metal oars and it was just oh, like splashing up. yeah oh man it was a cold morning but it was worth it to get out there and take that photo. Yes, yes. Everyone turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, and we're going to read through to 14. And it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. And this is why it says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's take a look, a quick overview of those seven verses. Verse 8 tells us that we should walk in the light that we should walk in the light of Christ. Verse 9 tells us that we should produce the fruit of the light. There is fruit that is produced if you are walking in the light, and that's what we've got to produce. Verse 10 tells us that we should live to please God. That should be our overarching uh, motive for living is to please God. Verse 11 says that we should reject darkness and expose them. Not expose it, expose them, because darkness comes in the form of powers. Verse 12, do not mention their wicked deeds. Don't even mention the wicked things that are done in the dark places. But we're to expose them, but not mention the, the certain things that they do, because the graphic content and the nature of them would disgust us if we, if we uh, heard them mentioned. Verse 13, the light exposes the darkness, of course. As you, when you go into a dark room, you turn on the light and the light exposes the darkness. Darkness flees from the presence of the light. And verse 14, awaken. It tells us to awaken from our spiritual sleep. That many of us are living or having a spiritual sleep and we're in a spiritual slumber and we should lift ourselves out of that. And it tell, uh, Jesus actually tells us to awaken, to lift up and come out of it. Amen. Right, so Ephesians 5.8, and I'm again taking from the Amplified. For once you were darkness, 
See that? Once we were darkness. So before you came to believe in Jesus, you were darkness. You weren't light, were you? But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light and lead the lives of those native born to the light. This is so sadly lacking in Christianity today. So many Christians live wretched lives of sin. So many Christians don't live according to the scriptures. Put up your hand here if you sin. If you sin. All right, we all sin. Okay. Put up your hand if you're a wretched sinner living for sin. Right? None of us live for sin here, do we? We all we we fall into sin here and there. You know, when none of us are perfect, we say the wrong things, we do the wrong things from time to time. Sometimes, you, how many of you have had those days where everything goes right? You say the right thing, every, everyone is in harmony, we have these really good relationships and stuff and everything is a beautiful day. Next day, you can't even, can't get near that level of perfection that you had the day before. Do you know what I mean? So that's just life, right? But then there are those people out there that live for sin. They live to do wrong. It's actually their intention from the moment they wake to the moment they sleep, that's all they live for. And really, anyone who is without Christ, whether they realise it or not, and that's an important point, whether they realise that's what they're doing or not, they're really just living for their desires, their base desires. And they don't care what shape or form that comes in. If it feels good, let's just do it. So therefore, they're living for sin today. And this is the problem when it happens in the church. So many Christians live wretched lives of sin, ignoring Paul's continual rebukes against such living. The reason is, is bad doctrine. They're taught bad doctrine. They're taught, they don't get taught to live holy lives. They're actually taught there is nothing that you can do that can cause you to lose your salvation. So they're taught that, you know, this, there's a freeness there. Right? We're free, as I always say, we're free from sin. We're not free to sin. We're free from sin. We do not have a license to sin because of this freedom. We actually have a license to live holy. That's what the license is. And we should reject all other forms of, all, all forms of sin. Every form of evil we should reject. And Paul continually, in every letter, you know, remember this, that nearly every letter, Jesus, Paul would be motivated to write the letter to rebuke that church or correct some sort of a doctrinal flaw that they have in that church. That was the motive for him writing the letters. That's why they were so full of content, because he was passionate about it. And he's continually telling us and, and telling, his, uh, telling Christians to stop living like that. And that's exactly what he's saying to the Ephesians. These Christians are told that Jesus has paid for your sins... This is what is told in these churches. Jesus has paid for your sins, past, present and future. True. Therefore, no matter what you do, you can't lose your salvation. Because if Jesus, this is their logic, if Jesus has paid for your future sins, therefore, when you do them, he's not going to hold you accountable to them because he's paid for them. That, to me, is unscriptural. Jesus paid for your future sins. Yes, he's paid for everybody's future sins. But does everyone receive salvation? According to the scriptures, no, because not everyone will repent. And repent means that your future sins are paid for, provided you repent of your sins today. And then someone will say, oh, Christians don't need to repent because we're under grace now. Hang on, you stay under grace by repenting. You stay under grace by living a life of repentance before a holy God. Anytime that you stray, you correct yourself, you repent, you come back and get in line with God. 
it's like one of those, you know, a missile ascent, and it's got all these correction, corrective... So, in the missile, as it's flying through the sky, if it was just left to its own device, it would just fly off in, in the wrong direction. But it's got all these little things that fire off on the edges that keep it yeah. on a straight course to its destination. And that's what repentance is. We keep repenting and coming back to the straight course that God's... A correcting mechanism. Um, but the nature of repentance is to turn our backs on the sin nature and do not involve ourselves in it anymore and live according to the spirit. So we've got to keep doing that. We've got to, okay, recognize that sin. I don't want to do it anymore. Forgive me, Lord, for doing that. I'm getting back on the straight path. They completely ignore these guys that teach, teach these false doctrines. They completely ignore all other scriptures which speak to the contrary. Because Jesus said simply, unless you repent, you too will perish. Unless you repent, you too will perish. Now, these are some scriptures related to Ephesians 5.8. Ephesians 2.1-5 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, and that's just part of it, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work at those in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. So that's important. We've got to remember we were dead in our transgressions and sins. John twelve thirty six tells us to believe in the light. And the light really is the Spirit, or Jesus, or God. They're, they're the light. When you come into... God, that every, every vision I've ever heard of someone coming into the presence of Jesus is intense light, intense light, a light that you can barely look into, but it doesn't hurt your eyes. It's a beautiful soft light, but it's so bright it, it, it illuminates your consciousness, but you can't, and you, you can look into it without it being hurtful to the eyes. But God is light. And in contrast to that, Satan comes as an angel of light to deceive, but he's darkness. Romans 13, 12 says, The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. So we're told to put on the armour of light. That's amazing, isn't it? That you wear light, you place it on you. We're always told to put on garments in the Scriptures, aren't we? You know, there's always, it's always a reference. You know, this is put on Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. This is put on the armour of God. And that armour here is called the armour of light. So what they're saying is cover yourself with God all the time. Be clothed in God. Be, may he just envelop you so that you can go through life covered by God. It's an incredible analogy that the Bible continually uses. Produce the fruit of the light. Ephesians 5, nine says, For the fruit, the effect, the product of the light or the spirit consists in every form of kindly goodness. Every form of kindly goodness, anything that's kind and good is of God. And so fruit, uprightness of heart and trueness of life. So kindly goodness is having a sympathetic nature to others' needs, isn't it? If you say someone is a kind person, they're a kind person because they're kind to people, aren't they? They're not kind because they're kind to themselves. (laughs) You're considered kind if you're kind to people, if you spend your you know, part of your day looking after the needs of others. That's considered kind. And if you do that, you're considered kind and good in that area of your life. It's not that you are good, because no one is good. 
No one is righteous, not even one, it says in the scriptures. But it would be the goodness that would come out of that person would be the spirit of Christ. You know, and, and how many people do you know that aren't Christian but still express those qualities? And you know why that is? Because every human is created in the image of God. Every human has a quality, if they let it come forth, of God in them. Because we're created in the image of God. doesn't mean they're Christian. But that goodness, that good quality only comes from God. An atheist can only be a good person because they've got, they're, they're created in the image of God. And that goodness is a product of God. But without God altogether, like, you know, if they're, dep- um, if they're separated from God and eternally condemned, there won't be a, even a drop of goodness left in that person. Because as soon as God is removed completely from them and they're left to themselves for eternity, all goodness is removed from them. They'll never experience it again. So it's, it's only until atheists realise that the goodness that they have in their heart, that, that, that does, you know, when they hear a sad story, they cry. You know, that comes from God. Yeah. They've got to acknowledge that and say, yes, I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Uprightness of heart is a heart that is right with God. Someone who's upright in heart is someone who's upright in God. No man can be upright. He can only have right standing with God by faith through grace. You can't be upright before God on your own, can you? It's got to be through God, uh, through Jesus Christ, uh, by faith, through, and you've got to be under the grace of Jesus Christ. Trueness of life. This trueness of life comes by walking in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. If you walk a true life, if you live a true life in Jesus, you walk in the Spirit, you do you do exactly what God wants you to do at all times. And that's living a true life. Anything outside of that is you're not living a true life. You know, sometimes I can feel it real clearly, the parts of the day where I'm being true to God and the other parts of the day where that's all sort of got gone from my mind and I'm involving myself in the, you know, the, the, the worries and concerns of the world or whatever or just the, you know, the getting involved in the conversations of the world. Do you know what I mean? In those times of the day, I'm not living according to God's will for my life. Mm-hmm. So our goal should always be to walk in the trueness of life. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. He continues the list in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. You know, these are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy. And, of course, John the Baptist said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Mm. Ephesians 5.10. And try to learn in your experience. Doesn't add that in the normal translations. But try to learn in your experience. And I like how it says, in your experience. Because, you know, a lot of the time we think learning is, you know, you open a book and you read and you learn, and it's all in your head. But he's saying here, try to learn in your experience, day-to-day experience in life. And that's an important point. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So live it out. Please the Lord experientially. Live it out. Let your lives be constant proofs. So we're going to be constantly proving God exists. Constantly proving that he is real. Because look at me, I'm living in him. I'm living it out through him. My words reflect my heart. I'm upright before God because I'm upright in Christ. I'm living to please him at all times. Let it be a constant proof of what is most acceptable to him. 
So if you live and do the will of God, if you please God, you know what? To the most part, you'll please man as well. If you're pleasing God, to the most part, you'll please man. You won't please your enemies because they'll hate it if you're living an upright life. They'll want to prove that you, you aren't upright. But to the most part, you will please, you know, average people. You know, how many, how many of you have noticed that if you, if you feel really joyful and you walk through a shopping centre and you just feel happy and light and everyone you look at seems to smile at you? I don't know if you've noticed that. I've had that experience. Just walking around, it's like, wow, everyone's smiling at me. I feel really good, but I must be having an effect on them because they're smiling back. But when you feel miserable when you walk around, you know, the complete opposite. Everyone looks miserable to you. So you don't realise just how much of an impact we have on people when we walk, walk around. Uh, and, and as ambassadors for Christ, we walk around and we affect people whether we realise it or not. And that's why it's so important to walk in the spirit of joy at all times, but also walk according to the will of God. It is easy to work out what pleases God, isn't it? If we had a discussion on this in the Bible study, we would easily come up with a, a long list of what things that please God. I've just got a short list I quickly made. God hates sin and loves those who walk by the whisperings and promptings of the Spirit. So he, he loves people that walk by the Spirit and avoid sin and resist the sin nature. He loves that. If you can go a day and avoid every form of sin, God loves that and you've lived according to the will of God. God loves relationships. With him, he, I'm talking about here. So when we pray, we please him. When we pray, we please God because he longs to have that fellowship. God loves it when we live in his word. When you pick up the Bible and start reading it, there's a smile appears on his face in heaven. He loves it when he, you get into his word and you treat it with respect and honour and put it first in your day. And, uh, you know, you, the last thing you do before you go to sleep, you have a read of the word. And he loves it when you actually do it regularly. You know, not just once a week or twice a week, but regular. He loves honesty. When you're kind-hearted and those who have unconditional love, he loves those with unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness. You know, that will forgive 70 times, 7 times and, and even more if necessary. He loves that. So we've got to show that quality of God. Forgive others as the Lord has forgiven us. Because whoever's harmed you in your life, that debt is nowhere near as great as the debt that we have to God. So we've got to, we've got to forgive. Romans 12.12 12 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's another thing that God wants us to do that is according to the will. Our minds have got to be renewed. How do we get our minds renewed? By praying and reading His Word. Praying and reading His Word. Yeah. Walking in the Spirit. Yeah. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's why it says that the man of God, the man that's holy and living according to the will of God, that man can make judgments in all things. It's those that claim to be Christian that don't live according to God's will that can't make judgments in all things. He's the one that has to take the plank out of his eye so he can see clearly to take the plank out of his brother's eye. You know what I mean? So if we can have our minds renewed through the Word of God, and this is another problem in the church, it's a lack of biblical uh, literacy in the church, huge lack. Most Christians in, I've heard, you know, uh, ministers over in America say most Christians don't read their Bible. They only hear their uh, short sermon on the Sunday and that's it. 
and they think they have this knowledge of God. They have this warped knowledge of God because they're not checking like a Berean, being like a Berean and checking what their ministers are saying. You know, and I want you guys to check me all the time. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. If you know his word, you will know his will also. It'll become obvious. Colossians 1.10 says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So it's, how important is it? We've got to live a life worthy of the Lord. You can't even take communion unless you're worthy. You've got to be found worthy to take communion. We've got to live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way we can, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Amen. You've got to grow in the knowledge of God. It's got to become this uh, constant um, thing that you place your energy into. Don't let yourselves get sucked away in the easy ways of living, like, you know, um, watching movies all the time or just listening to music or just use, doing everything but the will of God. It's so easy to do that. And we've got to reject darkness. Ephesians 5.11 says, Take no part in and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises. There's, aren't there large enterprises of darkness in the world today? Hollywood is a large enterprise of darkness. You know, the music industry is a large enterprise of darkness. I love how the Amplified brought that out. So let's read that again. Take no part in and have no fellowship with. Don't have fellowship with people who are dark, people who are evil. Don't fellowship with them. Your time with them should be just to witness to them about Jesus. But outside of that, do not, you know, continue in a relationship with them. Now, if they're part of your family, however, <laughs> you've got to... You've got to place some emphasis there but your time with them has always got to try to bring them to a knowledge of the truth you know but you've also got to show unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness to them as well fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness but instead let your lives be so in contrast let your lives be so in contrast our lives have got to be so different in the eyes of the of the standard person that it's clear they can clearly see you guys are different. There's a clear difference. And it's not because we're trying to, you know, uh, be better than them. It's nothing like that. It's all we're trying to do. In it. It's not a competitive thing at all. All we want is to please God. If our motives are pure to please God, without us trying to, our lives will show a, a incredible contrast to the standard life that most people live in this world. So let your lives be so in contrast as to expose and reprove and convict them. Expose those living in darkness. Our lives, just by our lives, we will expose and reprove, meaning they'll go, gee, I shouldn't really be swearing all the time, you know. I, I know uh, people that swear a lot, but they come around me and they don't swear, you know, or at least they don't swear as much. <laughs> I still hear the clangy drop every now and then, you know. But, but anyway, when Christians get involved in sinful practices and reject the Holy Spirit's call to repentance, this is a great evil. And this is the thing, again, remember, Paul is always speaking to the churches in all his letters. It's always directed at the church. His concern was for his brothers and sisters. 
And um, so he's saying, take no part and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness. So when Christians get involved in these sinful practices and reject the Holy Spirit's call to repentance, this is a great evil in the eyes of God. We are called to have no part, no fellowship with the fruitless deeds of darkness. So maybe that's a bit of a call to be careful about the movies we watch. You know, that's convicted me. I've got to be careful what movies I watch. It's so easy just to be flicking around the stations and watch a lot of rubbish. We are supposed to live in absolute contrast to that life. John 3.20 says, everyone who does evil hates the light. And this is the thing you've got to question. You know, how many Christians really do hate the light? Because if they live to do evil things all the time, that's testifying to the truth of this scripture, that they really do just hate, hate the light. And they won't come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Some Christians don't like being pulled up on things. They're not being told that, hey, you've got you to be careful when you enter into those sorts of practices regularly. You know, and they, they, they get really offended. Hang on, I'm under grace. But you're legalistic here. No, I'm just speaking what the Bible says. It tells us to beware of entering into such evil things, and you're entering into them all the time. And the reason is because it says here, they won't come into the light because they fear that their deeds will be exposed, and they don't want their deeds exposed. They want to stay, like, you know, feeling guilt-free, so they continue it because they enjoy it, you know. That's why a lot of Christians, Jesus is going to say, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name as, and, and done this for you and done that for you? And the list would, if Jesus would elaborate on that, the list would go on and on and on, the things that they're going to say. And Jesus is just going to say, get away from me, you evildoers. Get away from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. That would be the most terrible thing to hear at Judgment Day, wouldn't it? you imagine what that would do to your heart? So we're called to expose darkness. Ephesians 5.11, it's the same scripture. Take no part and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds of darkness. And I'll skip to the end. And it says, let your lives be so in contrast as to expose and reprove and convict them. By living contrastive lives to those in darkness, we expose them and bring conviction upon them, as I said earlier. Their conviction can bring them to repentance or it can cause them to persecute us. Some people hate it when you, when you live a good life. It really gets at them, eats them up. We're called to expose the darkness that surrounds us both in the church and out of the church. And how do we do this? We do that, of course, by the, our lives. But our lives alone won't testify much. Remember, Lot was the only righteous man and his family were the only righteous he was the only righteous man in Sodom right and he lived a righteous life but did his life have an effect on those in Sodom he obviously wasn't preaching to them he was just living a righteous life there so just living that life doesn't change people's behavior because all of Sodom got destroyed even Lot's wife she didn't obey God. God said, don't turn around, and she did. So she was disobedient, you know. But when you look at some, and the contrast to that is um, Jonah. 
went into Nineveh after he was after he fled and God brought him back and you know uh, swallowed him and then a, a whale swallowed him or a great fish and spat him out on the shore and then he went into Nineveh and then he was obedient and what did he do? He preached walking through the streets of Nineveh and the entire city repented. Now, Jonah was a righteous man. He could have just said, oh, Lord, I'm going to go and live there and prove to them that you exist because, and that, you know, they're going to be held accountable for their sins because of my righteous life. You know, that's how most of us would have thought. But he went and preached. He went and walked up and down the streets and preached at the top of his lungs. Because to him, he had nothing to lose. He should have been dead. He was swallowed by a great fish. <laughs> should have been dead. And he thought, well, I'm alive now, so I'm going to live. Go for broke. And he went and preached in the wickedest city on earth. And no one dared touch him because the anointing coming off him must have been so powerful. And everyone in that city repented. There was an actual decree written by the king. that said, everyone repent, put on sackcloth and <laughs> roll in ashes. You know, that's pretty awesome. So that's, that's a very important point that we've got to remember when it comes to exposing the deeds of darkness because that's what Jonah went in and exposed the deeds of darkness and light shone in that place. So we do this by shining the light of the gospel. The light of the gospel exposes the darkness. If you shine that light of the gospel into these dark places, it becomes very clear what the dark parts are. And the dark parts flee pretty quick. Proverbs 1.10 says, My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. We are not to give in to uh, sinful men. 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? So we've got to be careful who we spend time with and our motives for spending time with them. It's so important that we spend time with fellow believers. You know? And those that you spend time with uh, outside of that, it's you've got to live such a way that it proves God to them. But you don't spend time with them to get involved in what they do, if you know what I mean. So Ephesians 5.12, it says, For it is shame even to speak of or mention the things that such people practice in secret. And when exposing the darkness in this world, there are details of what they do that we should not speak of. Aren't there? There's things that these people do. Like we know that, you know, children are sacrificed in the fire by some cults, right? But to go into the details, no thanks. I know of some of the sick things which I've heard people do in darkness, and these details would shock you and be extremely graphic to mention, so I refrain from doing so. All I can say is, is there's some movements out there which are so dark and sinister and do such vile you know, unspeakable things that, you know, all you can do is say, God, just do something, just shine your light in that place. Expose them for who they are. Expose them so that they can repent or at least be incriminated or something. Mm. All I can say is that if you begin to get involved in the secret things of darkness, what you will be drawn into will shock you to the core. There's a steady progression down into Luciferianism. And Luciferianism is the bottom rung, really. You know, you, once you're down there, you're in the darkest part of, of uh, the sin nature, I suppose. But there's a steady progression downwards, and our modern culture gives us many doorways, <laughs> many doorways down to this thing. 
know, there's only one doorway to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, who is the door. But there's many doorways to darkness, and the world has made them so many, and they're just wide open, and it's very hard to ascertain the terrain. You can just slip down them so easy because everywhere you go, there's a doorway, you know, and they're increasing. They're increasing more and more and more. But it starts with things like, okay, I just, you know, I don't like this Christian moral stuff. I, I, I want to be a Buddhist. Mm. And then that goes, oh, now I'm free. I, you know, I'll turn to homosexuality or whatever. And it just slips down, down, down. And before you know it, they're into the, these, you know, esoteric writings. The new age. Oh, wow, this is amazing. All this mysticism. Oh, I believe in re- uh, reincarnation. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I was once someone really amazing back then. Oh, so I was a god. I'm a god now, you know. And as it slips down further and further and further, it gets eventually to the point where they bow down to Lucifer himself. You know, Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen. For God shall bring every work into judgment, with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Every single thing will be brought into judgment, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? All these people that are doing these deep, dark things, they think they're doing it in secret. The Freemasons think they're doing all of their stuff in secret. And the funny thing about the Freemasons now, it's all been exposed. Like There's books you can read which will tell you exactly what they're up to. They're doing some dreadful satanic oaths. At every level, they've done a satanic oath into their... Organization, And so even in the world, we know that it's not in secret, these things. But there's other organizations, other movements that have, are still in secret. But the Lord says so clearly, can anyone hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Said the Lord, do not I fill heaven and earth? See, everywhere you go, God is there. He's not there in divine influence, but he's there. He sees it clearly. You know, there's not a place on earth that you can go. A little worm burrowing through the soil somewhere. You know, we don't know he's there, but God does, because he's there. He's everywhere. He fills, the he-, he fills heaven and he fills earth. Romans 2.16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. See, listen to what it says there. That in this day, the day of judgment, God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. According to the gospel of Jesus Christ, every man and woman who have ever lived will be judged. According to the gospel. Isn't that interesting? That's how important the gospel is. You've got to know the gospel because one day you're going to be judged according to the gospel. And every man, woman, child, or uh, certain children are, who are of, not of a, a, an age of consent sort of thing, who haven't made their own decisions, if they've died, no, they're going to just go straight into heaven. But uh, from the moment that we can willfully choose between... Uh, good and evil and, and willfully choose between God and and evil. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, from that moment forth, you will be judged according to the gospel. And that's important to know. So make sure you know the gospel so that you've, you've got an open test. It's really, it's a test, isn't it? And there's going to be a great exam. Or oh, we're living in the great exam. Mm-hmm. But it's an open book exam. You can read and all the answers are there. Mm-hmm. And then you know how to live. Ephesians 5.13, but when anything is exposed and reproved by the light, it is made visible and clear. And where everything is visible and clear, there is light. Light is greater than darkness. Amen? Is light greater than darkness? Have you ever seen a light on and darkness come into the room and make it dark but the light's still on? 
No. <laughs> when light enters a dark room, it reproves darkness. It reprimands it. That's what reprove means. It reprimands it. And darkness flees into the shade of places the light does not reach. That's what happens. The light is the spirit. Ephesians 5.9 says, For the fruit, the effect of the product of the light or the spirit. The light is the spirit. So when the spirit comes in, it reproves all the darkness. So when the Holy Spirit comes into a meeting, the darkness in this meeting, meaning the uh, evil powers, flee. So where the spirit goes, darkness will be reproved. We just have to let him speak. We just have to let him speak. Everyone who does evil, this is John 3.20, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. 1 Corinthians 4.5, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. See who's going to bring to light what's hidden in darkness? The Lord. And will expose the motives of the heart. He will expose the motives of the heart of all men. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Going to be a powerful time. Ephesians 5.14 says, Therefore he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine. Make day dawn upon you and give you light. We are called to awaken. Do you feel a bit more awakened now? Yeah. Let this be a trumpet call to the body of Christ. Awaken and arise from the dead. The places of darkness where we abide. Because, you know, we all have been in darkness. We all get trapped in darkness. But we've been called to awaken and that for Christ to shine on us. And Christ will shine on us and give us the light of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm convinced many Christians do not walk by the light of the Holy Spirit and need to be awakened to this truth. I'm convinced of it. That was my book, God's Heart Cry for Revival was a call to Christians to repent and get right with God so that God can move in the church. But as long as the church is in darkness and doesn't want to come out of darkness for fear that their deeds will be exposed, God can't use the church properly. He uses some churches where where the deeds have been exposed. You know, Joe Schimmel's church, he uses that church all the time because Joe Schimmel walks in the light and he calls his people to awaken and come into the light. 1 Corinthians 15.34 says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to righteousness. That's what we've got to live by. We've got to live righteously, don't we? For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. I speak this to your shame. Who's he speaking that to? To the Corinthians. Why is he saying it to your shame? Because the Corinthians were not awoken to the righteousness and they were sinning, and that they did not have the knowledge of God, or at least some of them did not have the knowledge of God. And so he was telling them, get right here. Get right with God. Learn to please God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. You know, we've got to be sober and watch. We've got to realize the life that we're living in, that these are... You know, really, really trying times. We live in a world thick with sin. You know, every, everything, you, no matter what time of the day you put the TV on, you're going to see something sinful. Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Who's the light? Who's come? Jesus. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Romans 13, 11, And do this, understanding the present time. Remember, we've got to understand the time of which we live. 
We've got to understand these days. It's really important. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. The hour has come for us to wake up from our slumber. You know, Mark Derisic called the church the sleeping giant. If the church, the sleeping giant, awakens, look out world. But the sleeping giant isn't just sleeping, it's living a wretched life of sin in dark places, in secret places. Now, not the secret place of God, you know, which is the place that we want to abide, a secret place of darkness. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed, meaning our redemption, our actual taking up to heaven, whether that's through death or through the rapture, it's a taking up, isn't it? So the conclusion is God calls us to walk in the light, and that light is the Spirit of God. He calls us to walk in in that light. If we walk in the light, we will produce the fruit of the light and please God. So that's the best way to please God is just walk in the Spirit. And just always ask yourself, you know, what would Jesus do now? What would Jesus do now? Have Jesus continuing on your mind, guiding you, directing you every step. We are called to not only reject darkness, those who practice evil, but also to expose them, both inside and outside the church. So inside the church, definitely, we've got to expose them. We're called to not only reject darkness, but those who practice evil inside and outside the church. The light of the gospel must be shined into these dark places. The light of the gospel. We're going to be judged according to the gospel. (laughs) So the light of the gospel has to be shone into these places. In actuality, we expose the darkness. This is in the church by their doctrine. And outside the church, you expose them by their doctrine. You know, if you study a man's ministry for long enough, you will understand their doctrine. And you'll get to know it pretty clearly. And also you expose their church or their, where, where they are in these dark places by what they permit, what they allow to take place. I'm not talking about legalistic things. I'm talking about things that Paul directly opposes. And he lists them off. And I've, how many sermons have I done with lists of sins that Paul opposes? You know, if you go verse by verse through the Bible, you'll constantly be, you know, confronted with these lists of things that we should not be getting involved in. So it's not legalism. This is biblicalism, being biblical. And that's how we expose these deeds. Then the Lord calls his people and even the unbelievers to wake up and rise from the dead, the sin nature. He calls us to awaken and realize the life that we're living uh, and the the nature of the, the earth and the darkness that we're surrounded by and understand the present time, understand what we're confronted with and what is expected of us. Amen. All right, so let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray that your spirit uh, will take this message and take it far into our hearts, Lord. Expose the sin nature in us. Expose the dark places in us, so, Lord, that we can repent and come right and walk in the light and walk in your spirit. And uh, let uh, give us a heart to want these things removed from us or us removed from them so that we don't partake in them anymore. And I pray that you really do a deeper work in me and everyone here and everyone who listens online, that you'll just take us deeper and deeper and deeper into these truths so that we uh, will understand the present hour, we'll understand the times that we're living in, that we won't be ignorant to the power and the suggestion power of TV and uh, of music and uh, of 
movies and um, everything else that we get involved in, Lord, but that we will be able to uh, keep ourselves clean from these um, things. And, and uh, Lord, let us not just sort of um, say, oh, that's not that bad, that song's not that bad, it's only got a few swear words in it. Lord, let us not listen to any music that has swear words in it. Let us not listen to any music that is sexually um, provocative and uh, and anything that really is going to corrupt the soul. Anything that we wouldn't listen to you in your presence, Lord, let us not listen to you, uh, let us not listen to in secret either. Uh, because we know that you're everywhere present. And when we're listening to those songs, we think we're getting away with it, but no, we know that uh, it's you that's there with us. And let us not watch movies that do that either. Mm-hmm. Lord, help me, help all of us to just really uh, put a tight lid on that so we start to watch the right things, things that we could sit down and watch with you. So, Lord, I pray this in your wonderful name, and I pray that you keep guiding us and blessing our ministry, blessing our church, blessing every element of of, uh, what we do as a fellowship. And uh, protect us all week and bring us back safely next week. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you search Rob Cartledge in the iTunes store or go to www.robcartledge.com, you'll see a number of different sermon series uncovering religion, truth, judgment, and eternity, apologetics 101, critical doctrine, and end times. Feel free to check them out.